1971, the prison was received in CDC pursuant to Penal Code Section 1168, violation of Penal Code Section 8 counts of 187, that's first degree murder out of Los Angeles County. Their case number is A253156, counts 1 through 7, and the controlling minimum eligible parole date is 1213 to 78. Prisoner was also received on the same date for violation of Penal Code Section 187, one count of first degree murder out of Los Angeles County, case number A267861, that's count 1. Today's date is March 27, 1997. We're located at Corcoran State Prison. The time is approximately 1.30 p.m. We're going to start by establishing voice identification by each of us, stating our first name and last name, spelling our last name. Mr. Manson, when we get around the table to you, if after you spell your last name, if you'll give me your CDC number. We'll start with Mr. Douglas, and we'll go to his left. Mike Douglas, D-O-U-G-L-A-S, Deputy Commissioner of Board of Prison Terms. My name is Steve Baker, B-A-K-E-R, Commissioner with the Board of Prison Terms. <coughs> My name is Arthur Van Court, B-A-N, capital C-O-U-R-T, Commissioner, Board of Prison Terms. Charles Millis Scott Manson, B-33-920, and all of the rest of them. Can we just spell your last name, Mr. Manson? M-A-N-S-O-N. Thank you. Okay. Yes, uh, Stephen Kay from the uh, District Attorney's Office in Los Angeles, and uh, my last name is spelled K-A-Y. Stephen Kay from his mother. Okay. Gary Higgins, H-I-G-G-I-N-S, classification and former representative. Laura Siamate, S-L-E-M-A-T-E, office assistant. Victor J. Castillo, C-A-S-T-I-L-L-O, assistant CMPR. Officer Edo Santos, D-E-L-O-S-S-A-N-T-O-S, Correction Officer, CSP Corbin. Martin's M-A-R-T-I-S, Officer. Don all right, thank you, everyone. Mr. Manson, the purpose of today's hearing is to again consider your suitability for parole. In arriving at a decision, we'll consider the commitment offense, prior criminality, and social history, as well as your behavior since your commitment. We have re reviewed your central file and the prior transcripts, and we'll give you an opportunity to make any corrections or any clarifications to the record. We'll incorporate by reference a statement of fact from the decision summary dated December 1st, 1982, pages 2 through 6. Then we'll go directly to your progress since your last hearing, the new psychiatric reports, and any other information which has a bearing on parole suitability. Any change in your parole plan should be brought to our attention at that time. And before we recess for deliberation, the district attorney and the prisoner will be given an opportunity to make a short presentation regarding parole suitability and the length of confinement. Certain rights that you have for this hearing, you have a right of a timely notice of the hearing, and your file was made available to you for review. You have the right to present any relevant documents. Do you have any documents to present to the board today that we don't already have? Well, uh, I'm not much into the clerical perspective of this particular chamber of thought. Okay, so we pretty much have all the documents that we're going to have. Is that well, right? I imagine you wrote them. You, they're yours. Okay. 
You also have a right to an impartial panel. Do you have any problems with a panel member seated? No, no. In fact, I'm, I'm, uh, it's better than last time. Okay. You're going to get a copy of the tentative written decision today. That decision will be effective in 90 days after review. A transcript and a copy of that decision will automatically be sent to you. Mm -hmm. You have a right to appeal within 90 days of the effective date of the decision. Now, you're not required to discuss the matter with the panel. You're not required to admit to the offense. However, the panel does accept as true the court findings. In other words, we're not going to retry you. Right, right, right. Good. Mr. Douglas, any confidential information going to be used? No, Mr. Chair. All right. Mr. Manson, did you get a copy? Did you get a packet like this? Uh, someone offered me something if I would sign something. But then someone else told me not to sign anything because my name was worth a lot of money and they didn't want me using it as another economy. All right, I understand. Do you remember whether or not the items that are checked on this piece of paper were the same items that they offered to you? I'm not much at this book stuff. Let's see. What am I looking for exactly? Just to make sure that you had an opportunity to look at a board report and your psych report. And all oh, yeah, the guy offered there. that. Yeah, he okay. brought that into it, my attention. Okay, good. But I'm not sure on them little scratches. Okay, well, I understand that. Are you ready to proceed without... Uh, uh, yes, sir, I'm here person? for you, or whatever you wish. Do you have any preliminary objections before we start? Uh, well, yeah, I have a lot of objections, but uh, no one's ever been interested before. Okay, do you have any objections to the way the hearing is being is being? No, conducted? no, it seems reasonable. Okay, that's what, kind of what we're after as well. Yes, sir. I have any objections yes, sir. to the hearing. Okay, do you swear to tell us the truth today? Always. All right, that's all I ask. All right, I've got some stuff to read here, so I'll be a minute. We'll start with uh, offense summary says shortly before midnight on 8 8 of 1969, Manson informed his crime partners that now was the time for Helter Skelter. Crime partners were directed to accompany Charles Tex Watson in order to carry out his, Manson's orders. Crime partners were Linda Kasabian, Susan Where's Atkins. Where's this coming from? Who's writing this? This comes from the probation report from when you first came into the system. Oh, well, it's a little distorted. Well, when I get through reading this, then I'll ask you if and you can give me your version. All right? All right. And you can straighten it out. Anyway, crime partners were Tex Watson, Linda Kasabian, Susan Atkins, and Patricia Kernwinkle. Watson drove to CO Drive. A vehicle containing victim Stephen Parent approached the gate. Watson stopped him at gunpoint and fatally shot him. All of the crime partners then proceeded to the house and gained entrance to accept Linda Kasabian, who stood lookout. Once inside, they murdered Abigail Ann Folger, inflicting 28 multiple stab wounds to her body. Wojciech Furkowski was killed by a gunshot wound to his back and multiple force trauma of blunt nature to his head. Sharon Tate Polanski, who was eight months pregnant, was killed by multiple stab wounds. Jay Sebring was killed by multiple stab wounds. On 810 of 1969, Manson drove his crime partners to a location near the residence of Lino and Rosemary LaBianca. Manson entered the LaBianca home alone and at gunpoint tied up the victims. He impressed them that they would not be harmed and that a robbery was taking place. He then returned to the vehicle containing the crime partners and directed them to enter the residence and kill the occupants. Crime partners Charles Watson, Patricia Kernwinkle, Leslie Van Houten entered the residence and Manson drove away from the scene. Crime partners entered the residence and killed uh, Lino LaBianca by inflicting stab wounds to his neck and abdomen and carved the word war on his stomach. Rosemary LaBianca was killed by multiple stab wounds to the neck and the trunk. At both the murder scenes, the crime partners used the blood of the victims to write words on the walls. The other count, murder first, count one, case number 267861. 
On 7-26-1969, Manson with crime partners Boussoulet, Atkins, Grogan, and Davis tortured Gary Hinman by severing a part of his right ear and causing a laceration to the left side of his face. Subject wanted Hinman to sign over his property. On 7-27-69, Hinman was killed by a stab wound through the heart, which was inflicted by Boussoulet. That's a statement of facts, Mr. Manson. As they've been presented to you. That's correct. Yes, sir. Did you want to tell us your side of this? Uh, yeah, I've been wanting to for years, but it just uh, it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't listen. Okay, this is your opportunity if you want to tell us, as long as you don't take too long, because we're not, you know, See, we have all day. There we go. See, uh, uh, how long is the episode would be to squeeze it down in words. That's you know, right. we're talking about 25, 30 years here. That's not very easy to say in a few minutes. I understand that. I just want you to do the best you can. Yeah, well, the more confusion that people have piled on me with lies and deceit and ambition and all the greedy little things that they play their dollar bills for, uh, comes back to the penitentiary that I've been in since I was a little kid. So I look at everything from a child's perspective because I'm still 10 years old, because I've still been up underneath the authority of the father since I was a little 10-year-old kid, because when my mother got out of prison, she brought me over and let me loose with the monks in the Irish Catholic Church. I escaped there at 13 years old and I burglarized a lot of things and I went through a lot of hell coming to California to get to the situation that we're in here now. My grandmother was a first world war which out of Kentucky with a long rifle. My uncle Jess gave me a knife and taught me how to use it. They gave me guns and taught me how to use them. They gave me soul and taught me how to fight in the war because I'm not a Yankee, I'm a rebel boy out of the hills of Kentucky and Tennessee. I keep telling these people from California that, but they don't understand what a Beverly Hillbilly is. I do a lot of underworld things. I've been in the underworld all my life since I was a child. You make a mistake and cross me, I'll get you. It's that simple. Sooner or later, in prison, you learn. If you let anyone get that over on you and bust you up with it, They'll get up in your room, take everything you've got. So I don't allow that in my world. So I'm underneath in the basement. I've got Barry Goldwater's picture on my mirror. United States of America all the way. I'll fight and die for God and country that quick. But then it comes down to where I'm not good enough for some reason to be on the Ho Min Chin Trail with the Viet Cong fighting for liberations, the peace movement, or Whose lost children are we helping here at the bottom of this pile of whatever we call this? You know, we got all piled on top of ourselves with thousands and thousands of rules. I get out of prison for a minute. I meet the angels of L.A. L.A.'s angel town. Back in the back, that's where we get down. You up in the front talking about money, honey. I'm back in the back up in the crack. She knows me well. I'm on soul. My Linda Bell is angel to these monks that just took their heads in San Diego because they're way behind time, underwater. We're dead in that nuclear submarine coming back from China with Ronnie Regan riding wheelchairs on fire out through the paratroopers and Arizona highways. Our Father who art in heaven, how be thy name? That's my daddy too, you know. But then you keep coming back and tell me I'm less than an American because I don't 
I don't, and I've already whipped everybody three times. I don't have any problems with anybody. And you got me on PC, won't accept my word. I was Judge Older. He was Charles Manson. I'm Judge Older. I'm Tiger Man in the zoo in San Diego. I ride a motorcycle. I ride a motorcycle in LA, a bunch of straight Satans call themselves devils, say they're get down, say they got the money over on another edge of town. They got the Beach Boys tied up in their contracts. You can't get into the real estate because Pasadena is a submarine that's run by Jody Hoover, who's over in the chapel, who comes from Columbia with the drug cartel, saying he got money with two guns and he taken that pussy. I blew him to hell. It's that simple, Linda Bell. Day along, day along, sing along. Mitch Miller, the movies. I'm Ben Crosby, hard as a hobo, loves the Roman fields of clover. I'm Gene Autry. I'm all those guys. I'm another children. I'm down a wave or two up underneath you. What you're doing, you're over flying with the eagles and the fathers of great lands, but I'm king on other wings and baddest motherfucker that ever did live. I'm terrible. Adolf Hitler was a little biology girl in the class over there at the University of Southern California. <laughs> That's where the big eagles fly. And I know Fort MacArthur. I know. I know Fort MacArthur. Chain of command. I understand. Are you responsible for these murders? Responsible for life itself. If God were to wake one Greek Apollo through the sky, and those satellites, I've been watching them ever since Terminal Island, in the diamond mines of, uh, what's his name, um, Jomo Kenyatta, Mauma, remember him? I was in prison with him. Are you responsible for the murders? I'm responsible for Scott. In the highlands, and in a bagpipe, and I killed a lot of people. In my life, I have. I've done a lot of things that I'm not ashamed of. I got convicted for things I didn't do, and then I got loose for things that I did. Uh, I was everything that a man was supposed to be down on the level that I was walking on. I was a hobo and everything I knew to know, and came back on the English language as if they were my words, and that, that I had discovered this whole damn thing myself. And I was really Christopher Columbus, and then I went and asked the doctor what he thought. And he killed himself because somebody else was laying with this woman and he was jealous. And I said, isn't that silly? Why can't y'all just get along, love each other, you know? Okay. So, is that guilty? It'll bring the history if you got one. I understand. All right, let me go through your record real quick. Says, as a juvenile, you were placed in Gabalt School for Boys yes, sir. in Indiana. Yes, sir. It was in 1948 for burglarizing a grocery store. Uh, I think the time was a little off. I think it was 44. Okay. Well, let me finish this, and then you can yeah. correct it, whatever's wrong in here. Mm -hmm. Says, you went AWOL from school and placed in Indiana State Reformery in uh, Indiana. Mm -hmm. Went AWOL, some other boys. Subsequently stole an automobile and drove to Beaver, Utah. Were arrested in 1951, convicted of the Dire Act. Sentenced to the National Training School for Boys in Washington, D.C. Right. Paroled in 1954. 55, Los Angeles, Grand Theft Auto, five years probation. 56, probation McNeil Island, Washington, 1967. 
uh, Ukiah interfering with an officer, three years probation, 68 South Ventura, reproducing or possessing a face smile of a driver's license, 1969, and that's when you came in for this. Is all that pretty correct? Sounds reasonable. Okay. Now your personal history says you were born 1934, is that correct? Yes. Okay, you were born in Cincinnati? Right. Okay. Shortly after your birth, your mother went to prison? Right. And then for a short while, you lived with your maternal grandparents and an aunt in West Virginia? Right. Okay. Rejoined your mother in Indiana upon release from prison, and later, later resided in various foster homes until you were made a ward of the court, and went, that's when you went to the boys' school in uh, Gabalt. Is that right? Um, I'm not sure. There's a couple other institutions in there. Uh, an institution in uh, uh, South Bend, Indiana. Okay. Uh, I was there for about a year, I think. Oh, all right. So the rest of your juvenile, juvenile life was spent in various reformatories and boys' schools in Pennsylvania and Indiana. Dropped out of school at the age of nine to third grade. You married a woman by the name of Roselle uh, Willis. Mm -hmm. And that marriage ended in divorce in 1956. There's one son. That was uh, her divorce. I, I didn't, I didn't uh, agree with that divorce. It wasn't your idea, huh? No, I didn't. Uh, I don't believe in it. Okay. Says no military service. Uh, residential pattern prior to the current incarceration was unstable, admitted. Before you came into the institution, you used some LSD, some mescaline, amphetamines, barbiturates, but never got uh, involved in alcohol. Is that correct? No. No, that's not correct. Okay. What's correct? I ran the gambit of the street, everything that... Whatever was there. ...the children do. Okay. Did you ever get addicted to anything? Uh, no, I've never let anything over on me enough to, to get a hold of me. I've tried to understand what it is. I've learned from everything I've done. All right, so you experimented with various drugs we can never I, I, I've been looking for myself for a long time. I've been trying to find out a lot. Okay. Is there anything else that I should know about your history before you came into the institution on this com commitment that I haven't already talked about? Well, uh, yeah, I think uh, what you're bringing up is really important. The other board didn't even consider what you're considering. Okay. And I appreciate your considerations in this area. Um, those were the days that set my mind to do what I had to do for what I had to do. I had a, a captain named Kirk who would uh, get four other dudes to hold me on four points and take a big leather strap and teach me what he wanted done, he wanted it done. There was no in-between. Which institution was that? That was Plainfield. Plainfield? Plainfield. Okay. That was right after the Second World War. If you remember, a lot of the people from Europe came over here and got jobs right after that. Mm -hmm. So that era of, of confinement is not equal to what we're doing now. Okay. It was pretty pretty treacherous place in them days because we were at war. So uh, uh, I've been raised in the stomach of this beast. And I've been living and doing whatever I have to do. If I can live in peace, I'll run and live in peace. If I can uh, get along with people, I'll get along. You know, I'll do my best to do everything I can. But when they mess with my music, or they fuck with my family, or they bother my dog, or steal my cows, or mistreat my horses, I'll do whatever I feel is necessary to do whatever I feel is necessary. Because I believe in George Washington, 
I believe in the Constitution of George Washington. I believe in the United States government. I don't believe in Abraham Lincoln. I never did. I don't like him at all. That's the truth. Okay, thank you. Well, would you give your attention now to Mr. Douglas? He's going to talk to you about what you've done since you've been in the institution. Good mm -hmm. afternoon, Mr. Manson. Yeah. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about how you've been getting along since you had your last parole suitability hearing, which was in 4-21-1992. Uh, your classification score currently is 343, and of course the first thing I reviewed in your C file was your 115s, and I counted 13 115s that you've received since your last hearing, with a total of 35 since you've been in CDC. Your last 115 was for threatening staff on 10-31-1996, and then you got another one on 6-21-96 for disobeying orders, 4-27-96 for disobeying orders, and 1-14-95 for uh, male harassment. Uh, you got uh, 9-25-95 for threatening uh, to kill a peace officer. On 4-5-95, you got one for illegal uh, uh, possession of, uh, of uh, illegal business dealings with narcotics, I guess, were involved in that. On 2-18-95, you failed to report. On 1-4-94, you were out of bounds. On 7-21-94, you had an unauthorized tape recorder. On 7-21-93, you had possession of a stabbing instrument. And on 9-22-93, you had assault uh, on a prisoner. And then your first one after that hearing was on 10-7-92 for dangerous contraband. Uh, that pretty much goes over your activities relating to the negative side of, uh, of what's been happening with you. Uh, I noted uh, in further review, you got, I, I noted one laudatory chrono in 1231.94 for participation in AA. That's pretty interesting. Did you only get one chrono and only, how long did you participate in AA? Uh, since 1954, when the Navy intelligence opened up Terminal Island uh, for the government prison system, they was turning it over from a Section 8 into a prison uh, perspective. I put everybody in Ohio, Kentucky, West Virginia, Indiana, and they sent me out here on the coast and set me on the yard out there to make a new prison system. I didn't know what they was doing. I didn't know what I was doing. But the federal prisons are run like ships. They're like Marion, Illinois, and Lemworth are run like out of the USS Missouri and all them places. So being unimprisoned all these years, I look at the government and the perspectives of the world in a different, in a different uh, perspective, not the same way you guys do. Right. I look at it from the patriarch more than the matriarch. Matriarch is more in the play of the world that's existing today. But in my mind and heart, I would want the, the patriarch because naturally I'm a patriarch. Uh, I believe in the field of honor and I believe if someone offends you that you have the right to smack them in the mouth punch them out and dare them to come out and fight till, you know, the field of honor is there, okay. you know. All right, I, I, I understand. All right, you That's also, the way prison is run. Yeah. You well, have, I run that. You have a chrono in there, too, on 218.94 for programming per expectations and, and having acceptable behavior. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you... You uh, then and then you turned in a wire or something. You turned in yeah. before your last. Oh, yeah, but see, you gotta understand. Wire. This is corrections. Department of corrections. They have a bunch of men in uniform, and mm -hmm. they're always correcting. That's what they do. Right. 
That's their business. They get paid to do that. They're good at it. Right. There's a lot of good men in uniform that are making these corrections. Well, I'm in here too, and I'm stuck in between the cracks in the wall, and when something don't go the way I think it should go, and I have to stand up on that and make a point to someone, I've got to do it whether I want to or not. If the lieutenant comes to me and tells me, well, here, here's a restricted area, here's a broom, go sweep that, and no one's been down that hallway for 10 years, so I go to go through that. You can imagine where I got to dig up keys. I got to be all the way with the Roman Empire coming back from uh, the Greeks because like Roman Polanski was uh, very mad about what that other, what's that other guy's name that, that won that suit over there in Poland? On this case here, this case you got here, this guy won a suit. Perskowski, Perskowski's uh, kid grew up and sued somebody or somebody sued him and they beat me out of some money that had something to do with Guns and Roses that had a magazine or something they were doing. Okay, well, then if, if, if that is all that was in your C-file that, that, that I have read, and I'm gonna to go to the written portion of the hearing. Oh, wait a minute, let me finish. I haven't been trying to be good. You haven't been no, trying to be No, no, sir, haven't no, wait a minute, and I haven't been trying to be bad. I'm just trying to get left, you know, I'm just trying to live, that's all. I see. I'm not trying to uh, be nasty to nobody. Okay. No, no, if you'd give me my rights, all this wouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. Now look at it, take your responsibility too. If you'd give me my rights in the courtroom and let me explain myself, you wouldn't do it. You sit up there and went, you know, so then after a while I became you again. You know, if that's a bitch, you know, I'm all the way to Chief Douglas there in Terminal Island, McNeil Island. That's when uh, the Supreme Court, Douglas was his name? Yeah, I filed some uh, papers with him. I'm not completely out of the trash. Okay. In other words, I've been in the garbage truck before. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to read uh, a, portion, a portion of the post-conviction uh, factors as prepared by terms. Subject conduct within the institution at the time appears to be improving. However, subject sporadic outbursts would appear to indicate that he has made no progress to be reintegrated into society. Most notably, subject's recent CDC 115 of 103196 and that, of course, was one relating to threatening to staff. Uh, the report summarizes by saying, considering the commitment offense, prior record, and prison adjustment, this writer believes the prisoner would probably pose a high degree of threat to the public if released from prison at this time. This evidence by subjects continued in custody misconduct since his last appearance before the Board of Prison Terms. Subject also poses a threat to the public due to his continued influence on others. Yeah, he's right, been, he's right, that's right, I agree with that. There have been several prior psychiatric reports which reflect the belief that Manson's violence potential within the prison setting seems to be of below that of the average prisoner. But as M. Lyons, PhD staff psychologist at San Quentin stated in his psychological evaluation submitted to the Board of Prison Terms in 1989, his dangerousness lies in his highly developed ability to influence others. And that uh, concludes your, your post-conviction factors. Now I'll go to your psychiatric report, Mr. Manson. Yeah, and I don't get to respond to that last little... Uh, yes, yeah, so, sure, why don't you take a minute in response to what... We all, we all, we all wrote about the right, R-I-G-H-T. If we stay up all night and look at right, we're still looking at right, we're all right if we're right. So don't blame me and say, I'm taking over your minds because you didn't have any to start with. Okay, we'll, we'll consider that your response. This is, a, this is a report, a psychiatric report that was prepared for this uh, hearing by Dr. Uh, William O. Evans, senior psychologist. And, and Mr. Manson, I'm not gonna read all of it, I'm only gonna read parts of it. Yeah. Under mental status at the but this time. this will go in history books, right? Well, I don't know. Chapter, how much? 
I, I don't know. It's uh, under the mental status at the time of the examination yes. it said that you displayed no psychotic criteria, no thought disorder or effective disturbance. You were alert, cooperative, and oriented. Uh, he was appropriately groomed and dressed. He casketed uh, well with the examiner since he considers that he was treated fairly and on one occasion his complaints concerning treatment at the hands of certain custody personnel were concluded to his satisfaction. He expressed gratitude accordingly. As usual, inmate Manson spoke in metaphor and allegory and on occasion had to be reminded to be more linear and concrete. He has a clinical history of exercising control, manipulation, and power over his associates and followers, fueled by narcissistic rage for real or imagined slights uh, and disrespect taken literally by his followers as license and license to kill. He reported no current psychiatric complaints. His primary complaint was that his guitar, which was given him by a journalist in return for granting him an interview, had been taken away from him two years ago. He reveals sexist and racist views and regularly rails against the system for abuses to the disenfranchised and the environment. Previously, he reported to his counselor that he had been upset because he recommended placement in the Category K program at CMF. This examiner feels that currently Category K placement is not appropriate. Uh, inmate Manson has exhibited considerable intelligence by concerning himself with the abstract and being very aware of just noticeable differences in others and has demonstrated a variety of manipulation and control upon others using powerful reinforcements of sex, drugs, passive-aggressive rewards and punishments and a community setting with communal economics and lifestyle. He goes on to say that he exhibits some signs of schizoaffective personality disorder. Once in a while he uh, does revert to magical thinking and flights of fancy, but more in allegory and metaphor than in the illusional system. He has a history of a rather severe cultural and educational deficits. No doubt those social inadequacies precipitated the Category K placement recommendation through his own remedial and enrichment de facto self-help programming. It's no longer at issue. You're diagnosed, Mr. Manson, under Axis 1 as psychoactive substance abuse, uh, Axis 2 antisocial personality disorder with narcissistic, aggressive, uh, schizopale features, uh, principal diagnosis. Axis 3, various somatic complaints under treatment. Axis 4, psychosocial stressors, the severity, uh, moderate uh, due to incarceration and the impending hearing. And you're given a current GAF score of 75, and your highest GAF score in the uh, past year was 75. Under progress and uh, prognosis, it says his progress is not necessarily remarkable, apart from a normal maturation with age. His progress his, prog his prognosis is not good since his disciplinary history since the board hearing five years ago speaks for itself. He appears resigned to the present condition and position and at his last departing comment to this examiner was this is a better life than an old folks home. Under conclusions and recommendations, inmate Manson is confident and responsible for his own behavior. He has a capacity to abide by institutional standards. There's no current evidence of, uh, that suggests psychopathology. His violence potential is still considered greater than average as a discussion concerning the LaBianca murder will attest. This examiner is not suggesting the board that, uh, to get into this due to time restraints. Since inmate Manson practices manipulation power and control over his followers, he is still considered to be a dangerous man, especially if he were to partake of illicit drug abuse. He has not yet begun to contemplate underlying causes of his current attitude other than to see himself as a victim of this system. 
He has some considerable artistic ability and he should be encouraged to continue such controlled outlets for this expression. This examiner has seen noticeable improvement in his verbal ability in a one-to-one -one setting. His physical and medical needs seem to be well taken care of. The examiner read his medical file with interest. He is maintaining as well as can be expected under the circumstances. And the doctor notes that programming decisions can be based on custody issues rather than mental health factors. And having read uh, portions of that psychiatric report, Mr. Manson, I'll return I like that last, those last two lines, would you say those again? Well, he said your programming decisions should be based on custody issues rather than mental health factors. Mm -hmm. And I'll return it to the chair, Mr. Manson. Yeah. That's a, whoever did that did a, a really good job, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was a real That's nice set of report. Did you want to comment on it, Mr. Manson? Uh, yeah, I thought the guy, uh, he had a lot of good things down there, pretty much. Yeah. I'm a lot of those things. Uh, he's making me look a little better than I really am, but... <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever it takes is where I have to roll. Uh, I got no choice about it. Uh, if I had a choice and you guys uh, open up the gates of wherever, wherever, you know, I'd get on down the road and you could have this Charlie Manson thing that they created because they haven't even seen me. Not really. They've seen all them faces that we play. You know, they don't want to see me actually. Mr. Van Cort will talk to you about your parole plans. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Mr. Manson, what are your parole plans? Do you have any parole plans? Oh, we. Well, I thought about that, and I knew that would be a question. And I wrote that down in one of my little books. Let me see if I can gather these thoughts properly. Say it once more. Yeah, do you have any parole plans at all, Mr. Mayor? I have any parole plans. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you. Are you in prison? I'm here doing a job for God and country. I see. Uh, the United States Supreme Court gave me my life back. Took away the death penalty. Said it was cruel and unusual punishment. I agreed with them. And I've been serving it ever since. Because they gave me my life, so I give it right to them. It's their life, too. You know, so... I'm helping uh, as much as I can in the government that I am, the government that I know about, my Teddy Roosevelt and uh, my, uh, my sergeant and uh, my lieutenants and all that kind of stuff, you know. I never grew up to do all that kind of stuff, but I've seen other people doing it. I always wanted to. You know, it would have been nice if I could have gotten the service, you know, and been uh, 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 some kind of military guy, a United States Marshal or something, you know. Uh, but I've been stuck in jail uh, watching everybody else live their life. So then as I grow up, I begin to see that I've been out there just as much as I'm in here too sometimes, you know. And even though I don't make sense right now, that later on sometimes, uh, like, just filters in somewhere. It says, hey, who we got locked up in there? I mean, what is this trip? You really want to know? Okay, well, no, Mr. Manson. I don't think so. We'll say if uh, down the line you were actually given a parole date, what, what would your plans be? I would go, poof. Poof? <laughs> poof. <laughs> now, I, I noticed that uh, in the most recent uh, uh, future plans, it says residents, Manson, Manson offers no plans for his future. I don't and have a future guy. I never had a future. Well, then in the uh, report back in 92, it says Manson's
Thank you, Ricky. I guess the first question uh, that one has to ask based on Ricky's introduction is why 52? Why go to every single parole hearing of every Manson member, and particularly something like this, where there's no real chance that Charles Manson's going to be released? Well, because I have to remind the board uh, members exactly what Charlie Manson did and what the others did and why they shouldn't be released. Uh, these people tried to destroy our society by uh, starting a race war. This is not a garden variety murder case. Uh, and on top of that, Manson threatened to kill me three times. So I have kind of a personal interest uh, in making sure that he stays behind bars. How has he been able to threaten you while he's behind bars? Oh, he doesn't care that he's behind bars. You know, he, he has control over other, uh, other people. Uh, and uh, he threatened me once during the trial, once during a, a, a second trial uh, of one of his family members, and then he threatened me after one of his uh, parole hearings when he was in, uh, in Vacaville. But his record while he's been in prison is replete with uh, threatening guards and staff members, punching them, spitting on them, throwing hot coffee on them. He is a terrible prisoner, and he is a despicable human being. Isn't there an argument to be made from listening to Charles Manson that he's insane and as a result should be treated as someone who's insane and not a dangerous criminal? Well, when you first hear uh, Charlie talk, you think this guy is absolutely nuts. But the psychiatrists that have dealt with him over the years do not feel that he is criminally uh, insane. He has a severe personality uh, disorder. Uh, he, he's very antisocial, which, of course, that's what led us to the, uh, uh, the nine murders that we were here today on. But he's not, he's not legally insane. Uh, and so uh, he is responsible for his actions. Even in this year's uh, psychiatric report, uh, it was written that he's responsible for his actions in prison, too, and that he knows better than to assault the prison guards and uh, traffic in narcotics uh, and possess a stabbing instrument. He knows that these are against the rules, but the problem with Manson is that he doesn't respect laws. Uh, he used to tell his family members that there are no laws, there's no right, no wrong, so he's not going to obey any rules, whether there are rules within the prison or laws outside. You talk about the other family members and you talk about the influence that Charles Manson had over them. Taking what you've just said, why not let some of those others, like Leslie Van Houten, who may respect the laws today, out of prison, and, and yet you've been speaking at their parole hearings to keep them in prison as well? Well, a lot of historians refer to Manson and the family as a band of hippies. That is absolutely wrong. They hated hippies. All of these people who stayed with uh, Manson, something inside them responded to what he was saying. And Manson would tell them how Adolf Hitler was his hero for what he did to Jews in World War II. Manson is a racist. There were no minorities allowed in the family. And he would actually tell different people who could get together and have babies because he wanted the babies to look a certain way. Really sick stuff. But these people responded to that and they stayed and they believed in what he was saying enough to go out and murder nine innocent human beings. Why is it that none of the family members of uh, the victims, like Sharon Tate, come to the Charles Manson parole hearings as opposed to some of the others? Well, uh, Patty Tate uh, uh, would have come this year, uh, but she is uh, under the weather and was not able uh, uh, to be here. But uh, we talked last week, and uh, she gave me her best wishes and uh, told me that uh, you know she wanted me to give a strong argument for uh, a five-year denial, uh, which I uh, tried to do. Uh, to see how Patty and and Deborah and uh, 
and their dad, PJ, and, and their mom, Doris, over the years uh, suffered uh, because of this. I mean, th there's not one day that goes by that they don't think about what happened to, uh, to Sharon and uh, her uh, eight-and-a-half-month-old, uh, uh, perfectly formed, unborn uh, fetus. Stephen Kay, thank you for uh, joining us here on Court TV, and we will be playing a part of Stephen Kay's comments at that parole hearing as we continue with our tape. Ricky, back to you. Not interested in paroling, and that he would be lost in our society. I know. His main uh, concern at this time would be to to be released to a general population uh, setting uh, in order uh, in order to program. In other words, you want to get back to general population in prison. I was supposed to have been sent to the main line of San Quentin from Vacaville, but they sent me over here and locked me up for so they could play act my face over there in some movies. I see. Some more. Okay, so you really don't have any parole plans. Well, I, I don't think parole would be a reasonable uh, perspective. I think uh, the, I don't really wouldn't take a parole anyway, not really. I'm thinking, uh, you know, I'm here, we're going through the changes of it, but uh, I would like to go back to court. I'd like to get my chance, my day in court. We're, we're based and founded on that. Sooner or later, even if I die tonight, you're still going to have to give me a trial. Sooner or later, that court is going to click. And when that big chair clicks, that's going to be right, and I'm going to get my my rights. Mr. Manson, those are questions that, that uh, are just part of the uh, parole hearing, is to come up with what your plans are so that we yeah. have some idea. Well, now, uh, the other phase of, uh, of the portion of the hearing that I'm handling is uh, letters. And <clears throat> we received a whole bunch of letters uh, regarding you personally. There's... Uh, uh, apparently there was some kind of a coupon uh, in, in one of the magazines or newspapers about uh, whether the general population wanted you to parole or wanted you to remain in prison. And uh, apparently there was uh, 2,072 coupons sent back in. And then there was also 257 letters that were written in your, your regard. However, I have one letter here that I will read. And that's from uh, the Los Angeles Police Department. And it says, uh, and it's dated February 25th, 1997. It says, the Los Angeles Police Department welcomes the opportunity to respond to the pending parole hearing for Charles Manson. Your CDC number B33920, which is scheduled for the week of March 24th, 1997. The facts of this case speak for themselves. The uh, consummate uh, brutality of the unspeakable premeditated murders for which Mr. Manson has been convicted clearly demonstrate his wanton disregard for human life. Now, stop. Must, okay. Now, that's my point exactly. If I were guilty of that, that would be true. But as long as that court stands, then that's what makes me what I am to that man's mind. That is not me. He gets his reality from that court. If that court says I'm guilty, he's going to agree with it. If a Roman Catholic comes over here and gets in your district attorney's office, Rome, mama, Rome. That's talking all the way back to one cross and they'll do anything in the world to put one cross back in order because if they don't put one cross in, back in order, they got Islam right up their ass from Chicago bouncing that goddamn fucking basketball. Uh, sooner or later, you guys are going to have to step out in this hallway and see who this hallway belongs to. That's my mop and broom over in the corner, Jack. 
You know, whatever you guys are playing out there that's nice for you to play when you got the money, that's cool. But when you're down in a hard time where you ain't got nothing but the mind you're mopping and slopping with, you got to deal with what you got to deal from here, honey buns. And when you can do that, then that's the penitentiary. I don't know all the things you know, but you don't know the things I know either. I don't disrespect you and take your rights, so give me my fucking rights. You can't fool me. You can't trick me. I didn't have nothing to do with killing those people. Period. Okay. I told you that all the way down the line. I wasn't around anyone when they were killed. I'm not saying I'm not capable of doing it myself. Okay. But I'm just saying this. I did not do that. And I could have proved it okay. in a court of law. Okay, that's on the record, Mr. Massey. Yes, Let me sir. finish this letter. It's very Thank clear. you. Uh, he must never be permitted to inflict the horrible evil of which uh, he is capable upon society. The community remains fully justified in its belief that Charles Manson remained in prison for the rest of his life. Please keep this department advised of further, further developments pursuant to Penal Code Section 3042. Very truly yours, Willie L. Williams, Chief of Police, by W.O. Gartland, Captain Commanding Officer, Robbery Homicide Division. What happened to Chief Gates? And uh, Gates Hotel, my mother, huh? Darrell Gates uh, retired. Oh, well, then what does that leave my mother? Out on the street corner? I mean, what, I just drove up? This guy just drove up after I drove up. He's a kid to me. That's on 13th and Hill where they run the whorehouse. That's when my mother came from Texas. She was the first outlaw that came to this part of the world. Okay, but it, it, at least that's the, uh, the the whole total of the information I have. Yeah, well, and, uh, what I'll do now is... But it, it, it seems kind of unfair that you want to just pick one policeman who, who, uh, who wants to stand up against me. Why don't you go back to Indiana, where the first guy arrested me when I was a little kid. He went, he went all the way and became a chief, too. And we were friends all the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. So that was the only letter that I had to read. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to return now to the chairman. To, yeah. to Am I an American history. citizen? You bet. All right. You respect me for that, right? You bet. Right on. Mr. Douglas, any questions? No, I have no questions. Mm -hmm. Any questions, Mr. Manfort? Uh, no, I have no questions. Any questions, Mr. K? No questions. Closing statement? Yes. Finding Charles Manson unsuitable for parole is the easiest decision that you'll have this year. Uh, Mr. Manson and I both know that he will never be suitable uh, for parole. Mr. Manson is a remorseless, cold-blooded murderer. He was taken into custody on October 12, 1969, and the only change that he's had since that time is the fact that he's physically aged. Other than that, he's the same person that he was in 1969. Mr. Manson masterminded and, and he's never quite understood the law of conspiracy and aiding and abetting, and that's why he thinks that he's not guilty. He told other people to commit the murders. He didn't kill them himself, so he thinks that uh, he's not responsible. But fortunately, in California, if somebody masterminds murders, they're just as guilty as the people uh, that inflict the, uh, uh, the fatal wounds. Um, You've made that up since then. He that was not the case before. Mr. Manson, he, Mr. K didn't have Okay, a okay, so all right. Yeah. I'm just... Making a mental note. Okay. Mr. Manson masterminded nine of the most brutal, senseless murders in the annals of American crime. And the murder started with the, uh, the murder of Gary Hinman, who was a rock musician, 
and uh, the reason he was murdered was because Mr. Manson directed his followers to get Mr. Hinman to turn over property to him because they were collecting uh, property to prepare for war, the race war that uh, Mr. Manson uh, thought was coming. Mr. Hinman was tortured over a three-day period with Mr. Manson actually cutting off part of his ear with a, uh, with a sword. The seven Tate LaBianca murders, the reason that those people were, were picked, and they didn't know Mr. Manson, Mr. Manson didn't know them, Mr. Manson wanted to blame those murders on blacks to start a, uh, a race war. He actually went in the LaBianca house, and one thing that was left out of your statement of facts is he stole Mrs. LaBianca's wallet and had it planted in what he thought was Pacoima, uh, an area populated mainly by blacks at the time, because uh, he wanted a black person to use the uh, credit cards in the wallet and get blamed for the uh, murders so that uh, that would start the race war, whites going down killing blacks in retaliation for these murders. Mr. Manson told his followers to commit heinous murders and uh, they followed uh, his direction and Tex Watson took rope with him and hung Sharon Tate while he, she was still alive by throwing a rope over the beam, uh, one of the beams on the ceiling uh, in the living room. And in uh, the LaBianca murder, there was writing in blood on the walls, uh, on the refrigerator, war carved in Mr. LaBianca's uh, abdomen. Between the two murders, 156 stab wounds were inflicted uh, on the victims. The last murder was uh, he was convicted of, at the same time he was uh, convicted of the Hinman murder, was the murder of Donald Shorty Shea. That was on August 28, uh, 1969. Mr. Shea was a ranch hand at Spawn Ranch who was uh, knew Manson and the family were up to no good and tried to get him kicked off the ranch and uh, he got uh, murdered. Uh, for his efforts. So back up, go ahead. Okay. Be besides uh, masterminding these murders, uh, Mr. Manson has been a terrible prisoner. Uh, at the time of the uh, his last hearing, uh, he actually had 57 CDC 115s, which were serious violations. Now. According to the, uh, the board report this time, he has 14, I'm not sure if it's 13 uh, or 14, but that should give him a, a grand total of 70 CDC 115s, which are serious uh, violations. His record is replete with uh, assaulting prison guards and staff members, spitting on them, throwing hot coffee on them, threatening to kill them. Um, it's, uh, your heart really goes out to the uh, the people that have to work with Mr. Manson that they have to put up with this type of uh, uh, conduct. He also has uh, in his past uh, in Vacaville he was in possession of LSD uh, when he was transferred from Vacaville to San Quentin they found a uh, hacksaw blade concealed in the insole of his shoe um, and he also uh, when he was at Vacaville had uh, escape plans that they uh, uh, that they caught him with. Now that's just things that happened before his last hearing. Since his last hearing, of course, he's uh, threatened to uh, murder uh, one of the guards. Uh, he's threatened staff members. Uh, he assaulted uh, a, a uh, the report said, non-prisoner. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly who that was, but he shouldn't have assaulted anybody. He was uh, trafficking in uh, narcotics in possession of a stabbing instrument. Um, Mr. Manson 
after they would uh, finish uh, their dinners at uh, Spawn Ranch would, would preach to his followers. And one of the things he would tell them is that there are no laws. There is no right or wrong, and it's okay to commit murder. Now, the fact that Mr. Manson is not following the regulations in, in prison is understandable because he doesn't believe that there are any laws. He is a law unto himself. He will do whatever he wants, uh, whenever he wants. I found the psychiatric report uh, very interesting, uh, and uh, I, I was uh, pleased that uh, Mr. Manson uh, liked Dr. Evans' uh, report because I, I did too, and I thought... Uh, uh, Dr. Evans uh, had good insight uh, into Manson, uh, saying that he had a severe personality disorder, and the operative word is uh, severe, and it was characterized by narcissistic, manipulative, and sociopathic features. That means the guy's in love with himself, he can manipulate others, uh, and he is uh, seriously antisocial. Well, that's the same way he was in 1969, and that's what led us to the, the murders that we're talking about uh, today. Dr. Evans says uh, that the prognosis is not good. Well, it's never been good for, uh, for Mr. Manson. Uh, Dr. Evans also said that he, he uh, uh, presents a danger greater than average. Uh, well, I would have to say it's probably 100 miles above average. Um, and the thing I like most that Dr. Uh, Evans said is that uh, Mr. Manson is a dangerous uh, individual. I think that that's uh, an understatement, that he's still a dangerous uh, individual. I think the, the, the reports uh, speak very loudly uh, to that position and to the fact that Mr. Manson is clearly unsuitable for parole, and I would respectfully ask the board for the maximum five-year denial. I wish it could be longer, but the law only allows for five years, so that's what I'll ask for. Thank you, Mr. King. Mr. Manson, do you have anything to tell the board? Yeah, I thought the court uh, recessed. What is this guy doing? No, we'll recess in a few minutes. You well, no, I'm, no I'm talking about the court that we were in before. Uh, the court in L.A., Charles Older was sitting in the chair before. Now, well, Charles Older is still my judge in my courtroom. In my mind, Charles Older sits in that chair in my mind, up there on that bench. Okay. So all the, the head people are still Charles Older to me. So when Charles Older said this court is in session, when he sentenced me to the death penalty, and he said that the court was in session, what, what is he doing? He has no entrance into to my life after that. They, uh, uh, people have followed me around just making up all kinds of things that's gonna fit whatever they're doing. Uh, what somebody does in their world is on them, it's their business. Uh, the Kilgore clan of Kentucky and the uh, gun clan of Scotland are getting together with the Manson clan. That's out of Bragg Air Force Base down there in North Carolina, Greensboro, North Carolina. We just landed some people from Scotland who came over here. And I told them they didn't give me my rights, so that's okay. You can keep them. I'll take them as I go. Because my fathers are clans, man, and I'm a clans, man. And I'll march there for hell and wherever it goes to forever in that. So I could be wrong maybe in hell. Uh, but I don't think heaven would agree, or if heaven agrees, we could dance that out in the desert because I already came off Terminal Island Navy Intelligence. I am United States government. Nixon, 
Now, Judge Older, there in that court to Justice Douglas. It's good to see you, Mr. Douglas. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Van. <laughs> I used to work with him, too. You know, uh, you make me to be all the bad guys. That's okay. That's the game you're playing with Hollywood. I'm not good or bad. I'm just that guy that does what I have to do. You know who I am. You know me. It's the chain of command. Section 8. <laughs> you think you're suitable for parole? No, no, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I, I got too many problems. Too many problems, and I'm doing too many things. I'm, I'm really involved in a lot of things. I've got a website that I'm working on. Okay. And I have a, a lot of other ecology trips that I'm trying to put into play. I've been given a lot of influence, so I'm trying to use it in a positive perspective. I've got some helpers. And I do go to Alcoholics Anonymous because the AA has always been a sincere friend. And it's always helped the winos, and I kind of get along with the winos, you know. Um, so I'm doing what I can. I'm learning to start all over. And I keep starting all over, but I got these little-minded people who keep dragging the past and keep throwing their judgments over on me as if the Fitzgeralds don't belong to the plan also, Mr. Fitzgerald. Well, let me ask you this. How long do you think it'll be before you're ready for parole? I don't, uh, ready for parole, that's a big word. That's a big step, guy. I'm having trouble adjusting out of S-wing. I was trying to get to a main line where I could get a, a little reality back in perspective. Don't you see what's been thrown on top of me? I understand what you're saying. Oh, my goodness, I've been carrying Linda Ding Dong across these little piggybacks on Ruby Poop. World with Mother Goose flying this whole world in the ozones. We've got Atwa going on the internet. Rome is in play with Department of Corrections on the CCs trying to bring the Feather Rivers back in the desert, back into the play. The water...